and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta, Yerdena Osband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Eruvin, daf Samach Gimel, page 63. Now, if you recall, yesterday we left off with this very interesting discussion, or at least interesting to us, about the question of whether, or it's not a question, it's a statement, that a person is not allowed to answer Torah, to, to provide a psaq, or, you know, speak, really, in front of if the person's Rebbe, his teacher in Torah, is right there. And so there's some discussion on these dapim about what does it mean for the teacher to be, to be right there? Does it mean the teacher has to be in the same town? Does the teacher have to be alive anywhere in the world? Does the teacher have to be in the same room? Right. So there's a whole, uh, you know, Gemara-like discussion on exactly what this entails and why this entails. Um, and it, it should be clear that what we're talking about here is, I would say, pasketing, right? Meaning adjudicating an issue of law when the person who taught you your own Torah is somehow, right, however it's going to be defined, is somehow there. Um, and we're not talking about, well, again, it might depend on where that where your Rebbe is going to be, but but the idea of, like, can can you answer something that is not an, a psaq, but just, you know, something that the other person didn't know, if, that, if your teacher is not in the same locale, um, but, you know, alive and well, let's say, um, there is much more leeway to do so. You know, so too, if you see that somebody is about to do some sin, right, that you're, they're doing the wrong thing. And what happens if your Rebbe is, again, alive and well and right there? Are you allowed to jump in and tell that person not to do the sin? And the answer is, for that you are, right? Meaning anything that's going to prevent hate, you know, there's a lot more leeway around that kind of thing. But, but for the most part, there's a concern about, and we mentioned this before, there's a concern about honor to the to the Rebbe, and also because, you know, it, it, in part it's an honor, and in part it's, it, it ends up being, you know, an inappropriate question of whose Torah becomes, is the right thing to say. Um, uh, it is worth reading this inside. These cases are fairly straightforward, um, and I think interesting. We're going to just hit one at the end, though, right? There's a discussion about um, Rebbe Lezer, who had a student who, uh, who did, in fact, do this, right? He passed in front of Rebbe Lezer's student, gave psak in front of Rebbe Lezer. This is the expression, to teach halacha in the presence of Rebbe Lezer. So Rebbe Lezer says to his wife, whose name is Ima Shalom, we've encountered her before, we will encounter her again. Um, she comes up four times in Shas. And she is, you'll recall, the sister, right, of the Rabbi Gamliel II, who has married Rabbi Eliezer. So he says to Ima Shalom, He says, I'll be surprised if this one, meaning this shnuk, right, this pushtak, this upstart who gave psak, who taught halacha in my presence, if he makes it th- through the year. And then he didn't make it through the year, which is an eerie freaky, scary kind of thing to happen. Amra, and, and Ima Shalom thinks this as well, right? Amra lo, Navieta, what are you, a prophet? That you knew that he wasn't going to make it? Amarla, lo Navianochi, lo ben Navianochi. No, I'm not a prophet. I'm not a son of a prophet, which is a, a fantastic, you know, Gemara line that is used, you know, now and again, that I, I'm not a prophet, not a son of a prophet. But I have, you know, received this tradition. Kol that anybody who teaches halacha before his Rebbe, it's not an incidental thing just about 
giving honor. It's that that person has gone so far beyond the lines that that person is in fact chayav mita is, is worthy of the death penalty. So, so that's a pretty strong indictment of this practice, um, and you know the people should certainly take care with it. Um, and the the end of this story, right? Meaning what what happens afterwards, right? Is that there's a discussion amongst the Amraim, Rabbi Barbachan and Rabbi Yochanan, that said that the person who did this, Rabbi Elijah's student who did this, who and then who who died, was Rabbi Huda ben Guria, and he wasn't actually in the same room as Rabbi Elijah when he did this. He was um, he was at a distance of Shlosha Parsaot, three <coughs> Parsaot, three Parasangs away from Rabbi Elijah. They're not in the same place, and yet he still seems to be you know, liable for the death penalty. So just one important caveat, not liable for the death penalty in the hands of man. This is not something that the Sanhedrin was going to exact the requirement of putting the person to death. But apparently, right, Misa Bidei Shemayim, that the person would be put to death by the heavenly courts. Indeed, he did not make it through the year. Again, whatever that means, it sounds pretty tragic to me for what feels like a lesser in, uh, lesser offense but again, these are my sensibilities, and I would suggest that this teaches us that it's not a lesser offense at all. Look, I think this makes a lot of sense. You know, at the times of the Gemara, they're really still trying to establish a halachic system. And the idea of how halacha evolves, how psak is made, I think we see it just within the topic of Erev itself, is very, very relevant. So I, for the rabbis to basically assert that a student should always be deferring to their teacher while that may feel sort of very patriarchal to our modern years, really makes sense if you're living in a time that has to establish the halakhic system itself. I hear that. I hear that. I still, I still find it to be harsh, especially because it came to pass, right? Meaning several of these people, they, they did not make it. You know, they, they died because of, ostensibly, right, because of this. Yeah, yeah, and 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 to go through sort of all the bad things that happen to you if you do this, uh, you know, is 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 not very nice. And I'm going to continue them with a Gemara that sort of discusses that, which I thought was very surprising. You know, the Gemara gets into a whole discussion about Kohanim here, and one of the things it was talking about again, giving these types of examples, Elazar, who was one of the sons of Aharon, you know, once gave an answer. They quote a a. a a pasuk in Bamidbar in Paraklam and Aleph, where it seems that he sort of didn't, he gave an answer in front of Moshe that he shouldn't have given an answer to. And the Gemara basically informed himself that what was his punishment? His punishment was, was that Yehoshua never needed him, right? Which I think is fascinating. And the truth is, you don't really ever see him appear in Sefer Yehoshua. Um, but then they move on to sort of Yehoshua's behavior. Um, and this to me was very pe- peculiar. I'm a Rabbi Levi, called the Mutav Mila Kame Rabbe, Azalisho below Vlad. Right? So this one says, Rabbi Levi says, whoever answers a word in the presence of his teacher will go down in this world uh, childless. And who's the example they give for this? Again, this is very harsh in Amar. Vayan Yoshua Ben Nun, Misharet Moshe Mi Bechorab, Vayomar Adoni, Moshe Kalam. Right, so this is quoting a pasuk in Bamidbar Paragut Aleph, pasuk Chavchet, which basically says that sort of Moshe Yoshua, uh, who was, and to make sure to say he was Misharit, he was like the Shamish, the you know helper of Moshe from his youth. He answered and he says, you know, Moshe shut them in. Um, but the idea is that he sort of spoke out of turn, right? That he spoke instead of letting Moshe speak. The Ketiv Nun Beno Yehoshua Beno, 
And later on in uh, Divrei Hayamim, in Parag Zion, Pesach of Zion, chapter 7, uh, verse uh, 27 in, in Divrei Hayamim 1, um, it, when it lists all the descendants of Ephraim, right, that's the Shiva that Yoshua is from, it says Nun, his son, Joseph, his son, right? Yoshua, his son, excuse me. I said Joseph, Yoshua, his son, which the implication is, is that Yoshua did not have any children. And so they're saying that Yoshua was punished for this. Okay, very, very harsh. Now, Upligi de Rabbi Ababar Papa. So Rabbi Ababar Papa comes, the Amar Rabbi Ababar Papa, right? And he has a very different tradition to this about why he was childless. No, not Yehoshua. Right? So he says the reason why Yoshua was punished is because he had prevented the Jewish people from fulfilling the mitzvah of Pru Revu. Um, and therefore, uh, he was punished. Now, the Gemara goes on later to explain that basically in times of war, right, it was basically forbidden to try to have children and for husband and wife to be together. Um, but I guess it seems to be that maybe he did this a little bit too often. And so they give an example of Pasuk, and this has to do with the incident with Yehoshua, with Joshua and Yericho, right? So this is a Pasuk Parakeh, uh, Pasuk Gimel from Yehoshua, Shanat Mar, Vayhibi Yehoshua Yericho, Vayisana Vayira, Viketiv, Vayomer, Lo Ki Ani Sar Hashem Atabati, right? So the first Pasuk says it came to pass when Yehoshua was in Yericho that he lifted up his eyes and he looked, and you know, the whole thing where he sees a man over him with, with his sword taken. And later on, he says, no, I'm but the the captain uh, of the host, right? Basically, he was, and I come now. So that this this man with the sword came to tell him that I'm Sartseva Hashem, right? That basically he was speaking to an angel. And so the question is, what did this malach, what did this angel come to speak to Yoshua about? So if these, to open up the chapter, it's Parakeh of Yoshua to see this. Amar Lo, so what does the, the, the angel say to him? And again, this is the Gemara's version of a conversation. Right, Amash bitaltem tamid shel ben harbaim barsha bitaltem tamutara al ezemehan bata amarlo atabati. Right, so he says last night because you were getting ready for war, you didn't bring the korban tamid of the afternoon, and today you are neglecting Torah study. And so Yoshua says to him, okay, well, which one did you really come to give me tochacha for? Which one did you really come to rebuke me for? And so he says, I, you know, and again, quoting the Pasuk now, atabati, right now I come, right? So the idea is saying he didn't come last night when he finished, didn't give the Korban Tamid. He came when he was not doing, when he wasn't learning Torah, uh, because that one is, it's more severe. And so the Gemara says, Miyad, Vayelech Yoshua, Valayla, Huhu, Betocha Emek, Vayamar Rabbi Yochanan, Milamech Halach, Beomakash Shel Halacha. And so immediately afterwards, right? It says, now again, this is a different parak. This is in Parakhat, Pasuk Yud Gimel, where it says, Yoshua walked in the midst of the valley, right? He worked in the Amek. And Rabbi Yochanan teaches this to mean that he walked in the depth of Halakha, right? That he sort of rededicates himself to, um, to Torah study. What was fascinating to me about this is, is that the classic Pasuk that we use to explain the obligation of Torah study is actually from Sefer Yehoshua. And it's in Perak Aleph Pasuk Chet. Lo yamush sefer hatarah zami picha v'higadita bo yoman balayla l'man tishmor lasod kechol hakatu bo ki az tatzliach etzerachacha ba'ad taskil. Right. So again, this is uh, chapter one, verse eight of Sefer Yerushua, where it basically says, right, let this book of teaching, let this Sefer Torah, 
never leave your lips. And then you should recite it day and night. That is the classic pasuk we use for saying where you need to learn Torah from, right? And fascinating that it doesn't appear actually in the Torah itself. It's from Nevi'im, right? And then so it says so that you will observe, you know, faithfully everything that is written in it, and then you'll prosper, and then you will be successful. So I just wonder if there's something else going on here in the Gemara. Again, this is sort of a Dafyomi question, right, where we're going to be moved on already by tomorrow, where it's sort of Yehoshua, who is the source for learning Torah, is also accused of not having dedicated himself to learning Torah. Now, again, this sort of makes sense that the first time you would see this would be with Yehoshua, because I don't think this is something that would happen with Moshe, right? Moshe is the one who's receiving it. Um, from uh, from Hashem, Yoshua's job is to be the next person to transmit it. So maybe what is so egregious here is that if Yoshua's job is to really transmit it to the next generation, forgetting to learn Torah at all, right? So first of all, let me back up. I think it makes sense it's Yoshua, therefore, who gets the mitzvah of learning Torah, right? Because it's already now, it's a transmission, it's a chain. It's different than Moshe, who receives it directly from God. But the second piece of this is, you know, I think this then, makes sense, like why it was such a grave transgression for him not to be engaged in Torah study. So I find this interplay between, on the one hand, you know, being the upstart who says, who teaches Torah before his Rebbe, right, who answers the, the situation before Moshe Rabbeinu, right, is on the one hand, you know, uh, what do you call it, like an over-eagerness, let's say, and then the reluctance to dive in afterwards. I'm not sure that it's not you know, that it doesn't make perfect sense. I like I everything you've said, I completely agree with in terms of the next generation, right? That the mitzvah of Talmud Torah makes sense in Sefer Yoshua as opposed to, I mean, the mitzvah itself is in the Chumash, but but the discussion of it or the verse that's going to, you know, emphasize it, it makes sense to me from Sefer Yoshua because that's where they have a book of Torah already, right? As opposed to it unfolding as they're experiencing it. But on the other hand, I feel like Yeshua really got his big rebuke. I'm not sure that, you know, the idea that he then has to then delve into the same thing that got him in trouble when he, when he was, you know, too immersed in it beforehand. I hear it. I, I hear why he might have been a little bit more reluctant. Right. I, I'm it, reading in. I'm reading in. But, you know, I. I yes. But I but don't you agree with me? Like there, there's something to it that the mitzvah of learning Torah comes from Yoshua. And this is what he's being accused of. Like, but I think if like you just read the daf, you don't necessarily make that connection right away. Like it's it's something right. you have to know from before. And it's one of these things where we would say, again, go look up the verses. Right. Exactly. Um, although this pasuk with the learning Torah isn't even quoted. Um, but very interesting depiction of Yoshua, who I feel like we don't always hear so much about. He's a quieter personality, you know. Right, for sure. Also interesting to me that I think in terms of being a leader, and this is totally a tangent, but, and then we'll wrap it up. You know, we don't hear much about Moshe's children at all later on, right? Like that line sort of seems to die. And Yehoshua also, you know, it's, it's that he didn't have any, he didn't fulfill Puru right? He also didn't have children. So, um, or at least not a son. So it, it, it's interesting sort of, actually kind of depressing to see this in sort of like our, you know, two of our biggest leaders as well. Well, Moshe has children. The line is there. They just don't, they don't, uh, you know, overwhelm the stage, so right. to speak. That's all. Right. right? Every, the discussion all goes to the Kohanim. Right. There's some connection to me there about it as well. 
Okay, I hear that. It gives me pause. I hear that. I, I think. <laughs> I, I listen. I think. I think we see this all the time, right? That the children of the greats are either also great or not so great. Right. You know, it's going to be. It, it's very often either one or the other. Not like a, you know, whatever. Not not somewhere in the middle. Right. Exactly. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reveni Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hodgkin website. Let us know what you thought about some of the interesting and honestly, I think, challenging discussion on today's DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 